All right, guys, welcome to the AWPT podcast. Today, I've got a very good friend of mine, Steph Harrant, with Hello. me today. So, Steph, <laughs> tell the people a little bit about you. Um, well, I've spoken with you before, but if you don't know me, I am a strength and hypertrophy coach. I specialize with women and I'm particularly good with fat loss. So my kind of realm of coaching is more performance and body composition based. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. And she's very, like she said, she's very, very good at it. (laughs) So we used to work at the same fitness first together. So that's how we know. Now we've like kind of branched off and done our own thing. She just bought a house. It's very, very, very exciting. And yesterday I saw that. Uh, Steph posted a little bit about her journey with MS. So Steph, tell us a little bit like about that, just like how your journey has been, how you got diagnosed with that. Um, What have been like, I mean, of course, there's like the struggles with that. Um, I just thought it was an amazing, you know, thing to be like super vulnerable about. And, you know, I just had to like, you take my hat off to you because you're such a strong woman and I always see you like fucking killing it (laughs) regardless. And I just think it's super inspiring. So I thought it'd be an amazing thing to talk about today. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I wanted to post that yesterday because it's not something I post about a lot because it's not something I want to identify as. I don't want this chronic disease to kind of consume my identity and consume my life. So I don't talk about it too much. But um, I guess I'll take you back to the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> take it back. <laughs> so I was only diagnosed two and a half years ago. So I think it was the end of 2019. Um, and I started to get all these really weird symptoms. So working at the gym, obviously being a personal trainer, I was very in tune with my body and noticed like any little changes. But one of the first things I noticed was my vision started to get a little bit blurry. We still don't know if that was correlated, but I did notice that at the same time. And then I started to get a lot of pain in my neck. I was constantly working around my neck and my training. And I felt like I'd injured it. I was going to physio for like bulging disc type um, injury, but it was just constant. It was never getting better. And then one day I went to the bathroom and standing up off the toilet, I pulled my pants back up as you do. And I thought to myself, holy cow, I couldn't feel the pants like pull up against my skin. Like I had no feeling and I realized I was completely numb on my legs. And at that time I had also experienced pins and needles in my feet for about a week straight. And so it was just this accumulation of symptoms that were all really, really strange and out of nowhere. And I had been to the GP about my pins and needles, but it was kind of like a back and forth how it often is with GPs, um, had some blood tests, nothing showed up, um, pardon me. <laughs> um, so I was kind of getting nowhere with that and it just progressively got worse. So I kept having this really like intense pins and needles in my feet. I started to go numb in my hands as well. And that numbness I was experiencing in my legs just kept traveling up my body. So at that point where I first realized it, it was just my legs. So from the waist down, But then over the next week, it had actually traveled all the way up to my chest. So from my chest down, I had very little feeling and sensation. I couldn't feel the difference between rough and smooth surfaces. I couldn't feel the difference between hot and cold. 
if I was in the shower, I couldn't feel the water touch my skin in certain areas. And so it was all these really bizarre things happening. And one morning I took myself to the gym ready for my PT sessions. And I walked into the gym that morning and I noticed my vision was way worse. And I was like, right, something is wrong with me. Like, this is not normal. All of these things, this is really, really weird. So I just left work for the day. I messaged all my clients and rescheduled them. And I just took myself to the hospital, took myself to the emergency room. And I was like, something's wrong with me. I can't feel anything from my chest down. Yeah. And my vision is really bad. Like something's wrong with me. And so they took me in. I did all these tests. And now they weren't really telling me what they thought it was going to be leading to. Um, And I, I didn't know a lot about MS at that time. I only knew one person um, who had ever had MS and they were a member at Pennant Hills Fitness first. Um, So I was the only person I kind of knew. And so while I was in hospital, they did an MRI of my brain and spine and they did a, um, what's it called? I can't remember the actual name of the test, but it's where they test your spinal fluid. So they drain spinal fluid, just like you would um, get an EpiPen, not an EpiPen, sorry, an epidural. They have you bent over and they put a needle into your spinal cord and you have to be completely still and they drain it and you, you're bent over like that for way too long. I actually almost passed out. Oh, God. Um, if you can see my face right now, just like <laughs> imagining it and like. Oh, it was really intense. I would, I will never do one of those again. It was yeah. the most horrific experience. And I kept saying to the man, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to pass out. He was like, just pass out then. Just pass out. Just. He was like, just don't move just do not move because they had this needle in my spinal cord. So if I'd moved, yeah, you, know, you know, you can imagine what the consequences of that would be. Yeah. So that was just a horrific experience. But anyway, yeah. and I got all of these tests back. I was in hospital for, I think, three days and they came back. The spinal fluid didn't show anything, but the MRI showed a whole bunch. Yeah. So they showed me, they kept showing me pictures of my brain And it takes images of your pictures in, I'm sorry, of your brain in slices. And every image they showed me had inflammation everywhere. So there was white spots all over my brain. And when they were first showing me, they actually didn't tell me it was inflammation. They were just like, see all these white blobs here. Next slide, more, more, more. And I was like, oh my God, are these like growths in my brain? Like that's where your mind takes you to. You just assume the worst. You're like, is this cancer? Like, honestly, that's where my mind went. It was really scary. And it had the same white um, showing in my neck. So that explained why my neck had been having so much trouble and so much weakness. So I was severely inflamed through my neck. And they said, we think you have multiple sclerosis. We'll refer you on to a neurologist, um, but we'll treat you with a high dose steroid and um, once you follow up with your neurologist to confirm the diagnosis, then they will get you started on treatment. So I did all that and I had a huge, huge dose of steroids. They gave me 300 grams of steroids in three days. So it was like 100 grams a day, which is massive. Like if you think of any type of medication you have, 
it's like one gram, like 300 grams of anything. So it was massive. And so I had really big reaction to that. I was vomiting. I had steroid induced acne all over my back and it was really, really sore, just like head to toe, just covered in it. Why did they um, give you that much of the steroid? So they treat MS with steroids because steroids brings down inflammation. And that's what it was in my brain and spinal cord was severe inflammation. Yeah. But they treat it with steroids to get on top of it. Yep. So it's it's not a treatment, it's um it's a management. Yep. So it will calm down your symptoms in the meantime until you then start a proper treatment and medication. So even now, when I do get my infusions of the medication, they still give me a dose of steroids before that infusion as well. Wow. Um, and it's not the good steroids, like gain muscle. I was literally. I wish. <laughs> a part of me wishes, but it's not. It's just, you know, it's I the love- opposite, literally. Yeah. <laughs> so you found out, um, they told you that you have MS. Yeah. The first course of action was to, um, sorry, what was the word that you like, uh, kind of like manage the symptoms yeah yeah then what kind of happened from From there yeah so that kind of um it helped a little bit with the numbness and the tingling I was feeling but two and a half years later I still have really numb hands and feet so I haven't regained that completely and my neurologist has said that that can take several years to you know to get rid of completely um so, you know, I may, I may not ever get like, get that feeling back, but it's so much better than it was. Mm-hmm. I started a, um, what was it called? I'm now on a medication called Ocrevus, but I started on a different medication called Tysabri, which is um, a pretty like moderate medication for MS um, and a pretty standard one that most people respond really well to and kind of are good from there. So I did um, two doses on that. So you have a dose every six months. Mm-hmm. And every year I get my MRI of my brain redone to see how I'm traveling and mm-hmm. if it has been effective. And the first year after being on that medication, I got my MRI results back and it had gotten worse. So I actually, it, yeah, it didn't help at all. Things have actually gotten worse. And so my neurologist had to then refer me to a higher up neurologist um so I'm now working with Dr. John Parrott, which is he's one of the leading MS specialists in Australia. He's fantastic. And he put me through straight away six weeks of steroids, plasma exchange, and transitioning me onto my new medication, which is Ocrevus. Yep. So I had four plasma exchange sessions, which is where you're in hospital for the whole day for about eight hours. You're lying on your back with both arms. You've got a cannula in each arm. So in one cannula, they're draining all of your blood. Mm -hmm. It goes into a machine and it separates your plasma away from that blood. Mm -hmm. And they literally collect this huge bag of plasma and put it in the bin. They literally just get rid of it because um, essentially with MS, your B cells attack good cells so your body is kind of 
attacking um, good cells in your body. And so that's why it eats away at things that, that it shouldn't. It's kind of like an over-efficient immune system in that, you know, your body's so good at um, attacking viruses and bad cells that it starts to, you know, attack good things, <laughs> good things too that you need. Yeah. Um, so it, it can it can affect different people in all different ways depending on where lesions happen in your brain. Um, so for me, it obviously it attacked areas that really affected my sensory, um, whereas other people it can affect their bowel movements. Um, so some people have trouble going to the bathroom. Um, some people can become complete completely immobile and end up in wheelchairs. Luckily, um, you know, treatment has improved so much in the past 10 years even um, mm. that we are way more on top of someone ever getting to that stage um, than how it used to be yeah. 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people can really affect their vision or their speech. So some people can experience really slurred speech or stutter a lot or just have trouble verbalising. Um, so essentially with MS, because I never really knew what it is and I still find it hard to explain what it is to other people because it is very complicated. Yeah. So essentially you get lesions in your brain and spinal cord. Your brain and spinal cord are your central nervous system. Mm. So they are responsible for everything that your body does. Obviously your body communicates everything to your body. Sorry, your brain commit communicates everything to your body. So if you move your hand, that's because your brain has sent a signal to your hand to move it. Yeah. So it's where you get lesions in different parts of your brain and spinal cord, which affects your overall nervous system. Mm -hmm. A really good explanation is um, that my neurologist told me is if you think of an electrical cord Mm -hmm. and you take away the rubber banding that protects it, all of the electricity inside on those cords, those metal wires inside, it can disrupt the connection because there's not that protecting layer. So that's essentially what happens in MS is that protecting layer gets damaged and therefore the signal of your nerves can get miscommunicated and scattered. Wow. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, it does make sense. Um, wow, that's... Just like that whole time that you were talking, I was like, there's so many thoughts like flooding through my brain. Like that would have been so scary. And I can't imagine, yeah, that whole experience for you. Um, It was really scary because as I mentioned earlier, the only person I ever knew that had MS was someone in a wheelchair. So straight away, that's where my brain went is I'm going to end up in a wheelchair. I'm going to end up immobile because I didn't know you know, the full extent, I just thought, oh, my God, I'm numb from the waist down. That means I'm going to eventually deteriorate and this is going to mean immobility later on in life. Um, but luckily that's not the case. And as I said, treatment has improved so much in the last 10 years that um, hopefully that will be something I never have to face. <laughs> that's really, really great to hear because the same as yourself, like from my understanding, like that's kind of like what I thought that, it was until I, um, you know, have seen you and I see your videos in the gym and I see you. Yeah. Just like, again, the, like maybe that's like a good lead into my next kind of question is, 
you know, I see you and you're still doing all of the things that, you know, that you did before, but there's obviously a lot of like behind the scenes, like struggles um, and maybe little things that are just harder for you now because of it. And so can you tell us like a little bit about that and how that affects you? Um, And then how do you overcome those things as well? Yeah. I think the biggest struggle I've experienced in the last two years is managing fatigue. So that's been one of my biggest symptoms that's been ongoing for me is just how tired I can feel sometimes. And don't get me wrong. Some days I wake up and I am like fully energized, like my normal self and am fine. And I've actually been pretty good this year with that. But some days, and especially the first two years, um, really like 16, 18 months of dealing with this, I was just so tired all the time. I would nap every day for two to three hours and it was just so difficult with work as well especially with personal training being really early mornings and really late nights Um, so I would nap in the middle of the day before going back to work for my Mm -hmm. night clients Um, but in terms of overcoming that it's kind of been it's ongoing you know I don't have all of the answers yet but something I have learned is to really manage like pre-manage potential fatigue. So I know that I'm most energized in the morning. So I try and do most of my work and most of my pressing tasks earlier in the morning Mm -hmm. so that I can kind of wind down from the afternoon onwards and um, not have to push myself as much with Mm -hmm. um, just like mental capacity work. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, doing things like programming or anything like that later in the evenings, I just you know, it sometimes can be really difficult and I can just like zone out and just not be able to complete the task. So learning to try and be really productive when I have that energy um, and make the most of it when it's there has been something I've definitely learnt. Um, Another thing I guess is... Sorry, Steph. Sorry, what was that? Um, Because you're... Um, so you used to do face-to-face yeah yeah now you're all online so I, like is that um uh what's the word I want to use I guess like helpful or like uh, definitely better with your life yeah definitely I don't get me wrong I really miss doing face-to-face sessions every now and again um because I really like that in-person contact and um, it can be really good for obviously teaching technique but in terms of better management for myself, I found online coaching far better. Um, it's just not as taxing. I don't have those mornings where I have to be at the gym at 5.30 or finish at 9 p.m. on that same day. I don't have those hours. And so obviously being online, I, I can create my own schedule and work around myself. Yeah. So when I made the decision to just go online when we moved up to Newcastle, A part of it was a bit of a relief to me um, in terms of I wouldn't feel so burnt out all the time and it was kind of like I can kind of just let go of feeling like I have to present myself as this really high-energy, bubbly person, which I am, but I always wanted to give that same energy to every single client throughout the day and sometimes you just have to fake it because (laughs) the energy is not there. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, definitely online has been much better for me. And I think that's why this year my energy has been so high is because my hours aren't as ridiculous as they used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're going to say before I interrupted. Yeah. (laughs) What were you going to say? You were going to say something before I interrupted. There was another thing that um, has helped you um, manage the fatigue. I think like leading on from that is just like knowing some days I need to clock off. Like even I'm someone who loves a to-do list. Like I always, every week I have an <laughs> ongoing to-do list for the whole week. And sometimes it's like, what are you doing to yourself? You're like, you're never going to get through all of that. Um, but some days I have this like massive to-do list of what I'm really excited to do the next day. And I'll wake up that next day and be like, this is going to be an unproductive day. Like you just know when you wake up sometimes that the energy is not there. Mm-hmm. And so I have to really prioritize what's important and what's non-negotiable on that to-do list. And sometimes I have to say, look, I'm not working today. Like I just need to have a day. And that was me yesterday. Like yeah. yesterday for me, I did my client check-ins in the morning, but I just had to clock off after that. You know, there was programming I need to do. There was videos I needed to send but I just have to kind of turn my phone off and just have the day and Mm -hmm. have a bit of a cry and just watch movies and just do nothing. And I woke up this morning feeling so energized. Like I feel like myself today. And that just goes to show you need to listen to your body. So like, it's so important too, because your body's not telling you to rest and what some people might see is be lazy for no reason. It's telling you, you need to recuperate. Um, And obviously the next day you're going to feel so much better for it. So, yeah, I I think I'm much more kinder to myself now than I probably was in the beginning. I think in the beginning I didn't want to, I didn't want to kind of admit that anything would have to change. I, I think I felt I can still, I can still do all of the things, you know, I'm still the same person. I can still have the same passions and hobbies and the same schedule but the reality is you just can't sometimes yeah. and 90% of the time you can, but you know, 10% over the year, you've got to adjust yourself for it. So yeah, I think overall I'm just much kinder to myself. I love that. And I think, yeah, it just shows like how strong you are as a person to continue to, you know, not let this define you, like you said at the start, but like mentally strong as well to have that self-awareness um, and that self-care and that self-love is so important. Um, like we've kind of like chatted a lot about, you know, taking the time for yourself is so important. And sometimes it's just as productive as smashing out a to-do list. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So I think as business owners as well, I definitely feel that like, cause you never truly like, especially when you're working from home, you never leave the office. Like, no, it's always the like to-do like, list is ongoing yeah. and you never clock off. Yeah, you're just constantly thinking about all of the things you have to do. Yeah. 100%. I think like for me, um, like what I've mentioned has been more so managing like my hours and my business but with training that was like a whole other ball game when I first got back to the gym after I you know went through my first lot of treatment I was starting from like ground zero again like everything was body weight 
I did. I remember before all of this had happened, I was doing four plates aside on leg presses and, you know, I was just feeling really strong. The year before I competed in a powerlifting competition, I was just like so excited to just continue to gain all of this strength. And to go from that to literally quivering doing a bodyweight lunge just like broke my heart every time I trained. Like I would have sessions where I would get teary or I would just do two exercises and then go home because I just felt like, oh, my God, I can't do anything. This is so difficult. Wow. And my strength was just non-existent. I felt so weak and unstable. I was so unstable in every exercise, like really shaky. And I still get that a little bit to this day, to be honest. Like when I do Romanian deadlifts or um, even most leg exercises where I do a really slow eccentric, I will shake a little bit. But now I just know I just can, I can push through it. And it's just, um, you know, something I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like at the beginning, my balance was really bad just I had just lost total strength so I felt it felt really defeating because I'm in there as a PT teaching other people how to get strong and at that point in my life I was you know weaker than all of the beginners and I had to do it all over again but um obviously in going through that again I did gain that strength back quite quickly because I had that prior um muscle memory and you know, I, I knew everything I had to do to, to keep going, but that was a big transition for me at the time. 100%. And I'm just like, so number one, like you said, that, that could have been extremely defeating, but it sounds like you've, uh, you've grown immensely from that experience. Like that's something that, yeah, that could have like, you know what, I'm, fuck this. Like, uh, I, I'm just going to fucking give up. And, but I, I, like I said, I see you in the gym now and you're, you're lifting the weights that you used to be lifting and that holy shit, Steph, like that is incredible. Like, you know, like it, it's, I'm sad because I'm sad that you had to go through that you know, like what I mean, but yeah. I, it really shows again, like how strong and such an incredible woman you are. Oh, thank you. That's very nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think um, like I'm the type of person where I actually thrive mm-hmm. with adversity. Like if something bad happens in my life, that's when I'm often the most motivated wow. and and get the most done because I just the fire within me really comes out and wants to get me out of there wants to you know get back to the strong person that I am and so when that happened as I said prior to that I was really into strength training and powerlifting, but I had always um, actually been really passionate about bodybuilding but I was always too embarrassed to kind of pursue that mm-hmm. um, And strength training and powerlifting was really like in at the time, like it was really trending. So Mm -hmm. I just felt like I had to follow, follow that trend. And, you know, that's why people were training with me was to learn all of the big three lifts and, and all of that. And when this happened, it was right. Okay. I can't 
focus on my strength right now. What can I focus on instead? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to pursue bodybuilding. Wow. And so pretty much like four or five months after that, I contacted um, the coach I have now, which is Alice Round, and was like, I want to do a competition. And so having that that like future vision of something to work towards really helped me not focus on the present and just like keep working towards the future. And it helped me a lot because, you know, even though it, um, you want to focus on progressive overload with hypertrophy training, you don't need to be pushing, you know, one rep maxes. You can really gain a lot with less weight. Yeah. Um, so it gave me the opportunity to feel strong and feel productive in the gym even though I, you know, my strength wasn't there at that stage and I wasn't doing those big one rep maxes that I was doing like six months beforehand. Yeah. So, yeah. And so that leads me to where I am now. Like I'm, I obviously never competed in powerlifting again and I've just continued my bodybuilding path. I've never, I haven't competed yet. Um, I was meant to compete last year in October, but it got cancelled because of lockdown, mm-hmm. but I'm set to compete next year. And um, it has not been a smooth role. Um, There's definitely been massive ups and downs with managing my fatigue along the way and obviously moving to a totally different city. It's been like a really big transition um, with that even. But I'm the type of person that I will always push through no matter what. And even if I'm last, dead last on that competition day, I just know I'll be so proud of myself. Oh, one hundred That's it. Yeah. I think that like that in itself shows that you're doing it for the right reasons. You know, like yeah. it's not about the, I want to like, and look, even if it, if it was like amazing, like if it's not to come first or that kind of thing, it's literally like, I love the process yeah. and the hard work and the determination and the commitment that I need to get there. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It really excites me. It really excites me. Like every year that the comp has been pushed back, a part of me is like, I don't really care because it's not really the comp. That's my goal. It's just the process of like keeping going and <laughs> looking better each year, getting more muscle, getting stronger. So you got to You have like, no matter what your goal is, you have to fall in love with the process. Otherwise it doesn't matter. And you're doing it for the wrong reasons. I 100% agree. Um, that's actually, I'm reading, have you read Atomic Habits? No, I haven't. But that that's something that he, um, I'm only like, you know, a quarter way through. And that's something that he, I was like, yes, like this is, it's kind of something that I already like discussed with my clients and like things like that. But, you know, yeah, shift your focus away from like, say, mm-hmm. losing weight. Like, what do you have to do to become the person that loses the weight right yeah. so once you like you said fall in love with the process like it all just like kind of happens you know definitely yeah so what do you think the biggest lesson you've learned along the way is my mind is my biggest um and you know this applies to everyone but I think a lot of people don't realize it is that your mindset is always going to be your biggest hurdle Um, you know, it's not about what you physically can and can't do. It's not about how much time you think you have or you don't have. All of the excuses you make, 
you know, there could be a number of excuses to do with your work, to do with how you're feeling, to do with what your hormones are. You know, it could, you could have a million excuses, but if you don't fix your mindset, you'll never get anywhere. And, you know, I'm the first to say that, you know, I'm a working process when it comes to my mindset. We all are. Yeah, yeah, like I have days where I'm like, like today I felt so good and I felt like I had my power back and I have all these dreams and goals that I'm working towards and I'm happy to do all of the things. But then you have days where you just, there's such big limiting beliefs on yourself. And, you know, we've spoken about this before, but some days I'm like, what's the point? I'll never get there, you know, like. I should just pack it all in or, you know, someone will make a comment to me be like, it could be about um, wanting to compete. And they're like, Oh, you know, they could say something like, Oh, you're nowhere near ready or, and you know, those comments just really get to you on some days and on other days you're like, whatever, like my mindset is always going to be my biggest hurdle. And it's something in recent years that I've learned that I can control Um even managing some of my symptoms with my MS, like fatigue and headaches. I said this to Ben the other day, but what's today? Tuesday. On Sunday, I woke up with a pounding headache. Like it felt like someone was stabbing me right above the eye, like just horrible. And I'd heard, um, I don't know if you follow him, but Eugene. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I heard Eugene constantly talk about how pain is so complex and a lot of it is so mental. And that just like popped into my head that morning. And so I just started telling myself, Steph, you don't have a headache. Steph, you don't have a headache. You're going to have a really good day. You're going to have a really good day. You know, your headache's not even there anymore. And I kid you not, my headache went away. Some people will not believe me, but it was a headache. And it got less and less. And I just, whenever it like sparked up again that day, I just kept saying that to myself. I don't have a headache. You don't have a headache. You're having a really good day. Um, yeah. And like it, everything is so mental. I love that. 100%. Yeah. The, the power of self-talk is crazy. Yeah. Like I said, um, the way that we talk to ourselves is so important. So something that, um, may, maybe like, it may seem like a little bit silly, but I know like for myself, like sometimes I talk to myself like quite, uh, meanly, harshly, like I get in my head a lot. So, um, I was working with like a, a healer at the, the start of the year. And she said like, you have to like kind of like parent yourself. So like, how would you talk to like, you you know, like you wouldn't talk to a child, like say you had a massive to-do list to do and you're like, just get in your head. You're like, oh, you're so lazy. You have to do this thing. Da, 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 da. But sometimes like talk, it's okay, Liana, you can do it like tomorrow. It's not a big deal. Like, I think that's been a massive help for me. It's like, like you said, like managing or practicing positive, loving, kind, compassionate self-talk because nothing in my opinion, like there are some people I see that like, oh, grind. And I have to like, look at my photo of myself. I remember once a client told me that she like hung a photo of herself. Like she was like, had just had a baby and she hung a photo of herself to remind herself that she needed to lose weight. Like it was like, a yeah. thing. and I'm like, 
dude, that is not like, I think they're trying to negatively motivate themselves rather than positively. Yeah. I think that nothing good comes from negative motivation. No. And 100% it might motivate you in that time and place and that day, but that motivation won't last because if you're feeding off negative energy, it's only going to become more negative. So, you know, like if you see yourself looking you know maybe your worst and that motivates you you're going to go to the gym and look around and see yourself in the mirror and and be further negative to yourself and so you might not complete that whole workout because you're talking yourself down so much so yeah I think you're always so much better off being positive Um, and you'll get so much further out of you know rooting for yourself and loving yourself and being kind to yourself than the opposite That's right. And that's not to say like there's, because I've seen like this whole thing of like toxic positivity and that it's definitely not that. Like, obviously, like you have to be real with yourself, but I think, I know it sounds a little bit cliche, but I just think like life is too short to spend time hating yourself and being mean to yourself. There's already so much of that, like in the world. And like you said, like sometimes like people tell you things to like bring you down to like, there's only one you for the rest of your life. Yeah. You're with yourself, your mind, your whatever you want to call it, your soul for your whole life. So like, let's start like talking to ourselves kindly and being our, our own best friend. Like, I just think, yeah. Like, no one is, no one is ever going to understand you as much as you understand yourself. Yeah. And there's no point trying to, force people to understand you whether that's if you're going through a really rough period or you've had some really bad experiences in your life there's no point wasting energy trying to explain or teach people about why you are the way you are or why you're motivated to do x y or z you just have to do it for yourself and just be okay with knowing that you're the only one that knows your journey yeah um and the only one that's going to feel that reward when you win like if I win a bodybuilding show in my future, no one's going to give a crap, you know, maybe like it and keep scrolling. Like big yeah. look, it means nothing to them. Yeah. And so you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with people not caring about the bad things in your life yeah. and not caring about the good things either. You just have to do it for yourself. Cause at the end of the day, you're the only one that's going to care. Literally no one else is going to care. That's exactly it. And I think, yeah, I don't know if this is like going often to a tangent, but like the same as kind of, you know, as your priorities shift throughout life, like at the moment, like for myself, like a massive focus is personal development and my business. And so I've started doing less of the things to say, like I I used to be, uh, I don't want to say like, yeah, a bit of like a party animal. Like I would like go out with my friends and like enjoy a drink or two. And now I just don't do those things anymore. Yeah. So I see a lot of the people that I used to, um, that I used to do those things with and like, no, like, you know, like genuinely like still love and care for them. Mm-hmm. But as your priorities change, so do, uh, How do I say? Does that kind of make sense? What I said so far? 100%. Like as your 
your goals and priorities change, your values are going to change, and therefore your relationships are going to change and your environment's going to change. Like everything's going to change around you. I'm just going to put Penny out because she's with you. <laughs> Penny is Steph's dog and she is so cute. <laughs> I wish you guys could see her. <laughs> just whinging on my lap the whole time. Um, yeah, 100%. And like for me personally, I was someone like straight after high school, I really isolated myself. I kind of cut off all of my friends, not because I didn't like them, but because I was kind of going through a phase of finding out who I was and what I wanted to do. And I didn't really get into the clubbing scene at all. Like I don't, I think maybe once in my whole life I've been clubbing. Um, I didn't go to many parties. I just kind of found the gym and wanted to pursue that. And I guess like a lot of people might look at me and think I'm really antisocial because I don't catch up with friends a whole bunch. I don't party. I don't, I don't drink much. Like I might have alcohol once a year and it'll be like one, one drink or one or two drinks. And outside looking in, people are going to think, oh, she's just shy or antisocial or weird or like flaky, like a flaky friend. But that's not the case at all. That's just not my priorities and that's not my values. Um, and so obviously I'm going to live my life based on my values and what, exactly. what I value. And obviously I, I value the gym more than I value a night out with friends. Um, and it's okay if you're the other way around. Like some people might really value that social bonding way more, but I just personally don't. So, and I think that's okay. You know, we all have different values. Oh, for sure. That's yeah. That's not a, um, I like how you said that. That's definitely, yeah, you're not like taking a dig at like anyone. No, not at all. Nothing's right or wrong. It's just you're going to, your lifestyle is going to reflect your values and your priorities at that point in time. And they're going to change, you know, how many people have kids and their priorities totally change. And, you know, their single friends that don't have any kids always saying, oh, you don't come out with us anymore. Oh, you've really changed since you've become a parent. And it's not that they've changed. It's just that their priorities and their values have changed in that point of their life. Um, So I think that's really normal as well to be able to evolve throughout life. Exactly. And like you were saying before, I think like the right people are always going to like gravitate towards you, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That was awesome, Steph. Thank you. Um, now I have some quick fire um, questions for you. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Number one. <laughs> so like music, you know, like on, on the millionaire hot seat. Okay. I'm that <laughs> um, okay. Number one, squat, bench or deadlift? Oh, ex powerlifter, this is a tough one. <laughs> deadlift. I actually don't squat or bench at all, and I haven't for a long time, and I only deadlift. Ah, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Favorite flavor of protein powder? Chocolate. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a morning or night person? Morning. You're so quick. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) What is a good book that you've read recently? Oh, Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. I was literally talking to someone about this. I haven't finished the book, but I am currently reading it. And it's fantastic. Yeah, I've heard really good things about it. Like, yeah, Yeah. I didn't know, like, he used to be a monk. Is that correct? Yes. 
Yeah. yeah, it is a fantastic book. There's so many like wise lessons in it and there's so many just like honest truths that you read and you're like, that's so true. I would suggest anyone, I would recommend anyone to read it. It's really, really good. Um, okay, that's going to be on my um, to-read list. Definitely. Yes, I love that. Okay, and last question, where can people – no, I missed one. Uh, what is one thing that you would like to share with the world? Oh, God. Whether that be like, um, you know, like – what you want to share like with your clients or like through your business or literally just like something that you've learned, something that you want to do um, coaches. I don't know why, but something that just like literally popped into my head was just like a quote. And I don't know if I've just like made this up or I've heard it somewhere, but you are your greatest obstacle and your greatest gift. Oh. So you got to choose which one you're going to be for yourself. Oh, I like that. Okay. I don't know why that just popped into my head. <laughs> I was like, just say that, Steph. Just run with it. Steph, I'm going to, yeah, that's a quote by Steph. You heard it here first. (laughs) I love it. Okay, now last question. Where can people find you, Steph? On Instagram. I have two Instagram accounts. My personal one is just Steph Harrant, and it's 1-R-H-A-R-A-N-T, or my business Instagram, which is Stephanie Harrant Coaching. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that amazing. No, thank you. And thank you for. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me on. And as I said, like I haven't really ever talked about my MS journey. Um, so it was really good to have a platform to kind of, yeah, chat about it. it was yeah. Really cool. Thank you.